0: Hey there, you're listening to What The Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're gonna riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What The Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Carry on,
1: my son.
2: NASA unveils the Space Shuttle Enterprise, named after the Star Trek spaceship. With the cast of the TV series attending, Palestinians hijack a KLM DC nine to Cyprus, and a Russian pilot defects to the Japan to Japan in a Mig twenty five jet. This is September nineteen seventy six, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And
1: I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce.
2: And Brian brings us this classic album. What you got, Brian?
1: All right. I'm sure you recognized it from the the opening of the podcast. Oh, fantastic. And it is indeed a classic album. It is Left Overture from our rock friends, Kansas. You're hearing Carrie Levin. Where would you find Kansas? What's, what uh, state would you find those folks in? Oh, you'd find it, let's see, between Nebraska and Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but anyway, this is uh, their fourth studio album. And it was released, actually... Uh, in October, but since we had a October already filled, we just backed it up to you know September, and here we are. Listen to that. That's Carrie Livgren on lead vocals. You know, Steve Walsh was actually, he ran into a kind of a wall, if you will, on his writing. So he uh, they had writer's block is what they I think they call that. So he asked Carrie Livgren, who you hear singing, to help him out. And as, as it turns out, uh, Livgren wrote most of the lyrics and most of the music. Oh, did it? And uh, actually, Walsh ended up co-writing or co- you know, co-authoring uh, three of the songs on this album. So this uh, was recorded in my home state of, uh, of well, Louisiana. It was called Studio in the Country. You may have heard of that before. There's other bands that have recorded there. huh? But is in a little town called Bogalusa, Louisiana. Now you say, Brian, where is Bogalusa? Well... It's on the north side of Lake Pontchartrain. And it's about, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 miles, if I'm not mistaken, from Lake Pontchartrain. It's over in the, if you're familiar with the area, it's around uh, uh, Covington. It's over around Hammond, you know, that area north of the, the lake. But anyway, uh, they asked Kerry Livgren, Redbeard, Do you remember Redbeard who did a lot of interviews on the radio? Yeah. Back with Westwood One and other ones. He had a syndicated show. He asked Kerry Livgren about the recording of this album. And Kerry goes, well, truly, it was in the middle of a swamp. <laughs> he said, you go out the front door and there'd be alligators. And then he goes, the mosquitoes were the size of B-52s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Brian said, sounds like home. Exactly. I said, I'm home. But anyway, he also said there were many a time that they would look in the control room and there'd be armadillas in there. <laughs> On so, the half shell.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's a control room without an armadillo? Exactly. Or two? You know, um, I'm glad that you uh, that you're doing this. I initially thought I would do Kansas, but I love this song. Yeah. And this is the like my one of my favorite songs. It's yeah. got so many hooks, doesn't it? It just keeps changing. I mean, you've got these different. It's like it's like listening to a a symphony or something. It almost, is. You it know? is.
1: Now. At the time, Kansas, and here's the band members. I'll read them off to you. You've got Steve Walsh on organ, piano, additional synthesizers, vibraphone, lead, and backing vocals on all the tracks. Then you have, of course, Kerry Livgren, who mentioned, on electric guitar, piano, clavinet, Moog, Oberheim, and ARP synthesizers. You've got Robbie Steinhardt on violin, viola, lead vocals on Miracles Out of Nowhere, which we're going to hear today.
0: Yeah, and they did have, uh, they, they had strings come in, kind of like ELO, you know, where we talked about Chicago.
2: Oh, the violin's very prominent in Kansas. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, that's, a, there's, who is the violin player? Uh, Robbie Steinhardt. There you go.
1: And you've got Rich Williams on electric and guitars. You've got Dave Hope on bass. And finally, you've got Phil Earhart on drums and percussion. And quite, a, so, quite a lineup. Listen to that, listen, to it. Liver's voice is just so powerful. Uh, this "Carry On Your Wayward Son" actually is a a completion, or if you will, it was, uh, of course, written by Carrie livgren And uh, the song was written to express anything specifically religious, though it currently expresses uh, spiritual searching and other ideas. And of course, as we uh, most of us know, and if you don't know, Carrie livgren became a evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1980, I believe it was. Oh, so
0: I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that.
1: Yeah, and uh, of course, a lot of their songs are introspective. It's a lot of, you know, dealing with spirituality, supernaturality supernatural. Well, this it, was the right. big hit from them. Yes. this
2: this kind of took them over the edge. They had had three albums before this, yep. and I, you know, I liked the other three albums tremendously. I, I yep. think they're stand-up albums. But this just is... this one, that big hit, yep. that, that 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 riff that they had.
1: Yep, and this is Great. actually to your point, Wayne. Uh, from these, the previous album, "Mask" M A S Q U E. This is a con- that, carry on was your continuation of the last song called "The Pinnacle." Mm-hmm. Now, this song is called "The Wall," and no, it's not unfortunately from Pink Floyd, but uh, it is written by Le- uh, Carrie Livgren. And this is the uh, second song. song on the album, song, too. Correct. Yep. We're going to play the first so- first four songs on the first side, so it is truly going to be. This is Uh, how you would have heard it if you had the album. Absolutely. Cool. And I can't tell you guys enough how often I listen to this. And this probably helped contribute to my loss of hearing. But it it sounds so much better to me on headphones than it does, you know, without so. But this is really a very deep, introspective song written by Lipgren. And if you listen to the lyrics, you see the lyric sheet. It just talks about all the things that he faces in life, and it, you know, feels like type that he just comes. So it's very,
0: you know, really, really a, a great song. Like something dear was lost. Each passing day. It's got like a harpsichord or something oh, going on. there it is a harpsichord in the back. yeah. It's just a fantasy, a
1: travesty, yeah. So anyway. Uh, Liv of course, made a lot of appearances when he talks about uh, this album. Mm -hmm. uh, And and then on into the point of no return, too. So, I mean, a lot of the things that he's dealing with at the time was, you know, why am I here? I think we all go through that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of deep spiritual things.
2: Well, they went from clubs with with this album, and then, you know, their warm-up acts, and then you talked about point of no return. I mean, they had the song Point of No Return, and dust in the wind, and then suddenly they're they're doing arenas, and they're doing the head part of that. They're yeah. they are completely everywhere. And I, uh, I remember the live album uh, was a two for the show or something. Two like for that?
3: the show. Yeah, that's a
2: that's a great live album. And I remember them dedicating that to a to a kid who had uh, gotten a car accident after the show, and he got blinded, hmm. and that was the last thing he ever saw.
1: Wow. Yeah, I think I mean, so, you can hear all these instruments in the background. Oh yeah. Well, so you prog rock rock. <laughs> you
3: mentioned two for the show, and there's I have a little bit of a story about that. I heard two for the show. It was on a chorus trip up to Savannah, and a friend had loaned it to me, and I listened to it, and I loved the the, the song. I loved the the whole album, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it, and it took for for, for several years. I guess it just wasn't maybe it wasn't marketed that well or maybe the stores i was in what but i wound up finding it on a trip in yuma arizona of all places <laughs> when i was in college and i said okay i've got to get that it was the cassette so i yeah. just grabbed you know got the cassette and and uh and and i finally had it but it just took forever to find that but it is a great live album was it at 310
2: what's that <laughs> 310 in uh, yeah. Yuma, Arizona. 3,
1: 310 in Yuma. But this is one of the three songs that Steve Walsh is the co-author and and, and, and collaborated with Livgren on, so.
0: Brian, but, I didn't have this album, and so I'm not familiar with these other songs, and it was kind of intimidating to me when I thought I might cover this because I, I wanted to do Carry On My Wayward Son, but these other ones, I'm like, I don't know enough about it yeah. uh, yet, so uh if you had the album and you're listening to it, this song probably makes you think of things that Carry On My Wayward Son didn't even bring up.
1: Well, for me, Carry On Wayward Son was more just a jam. Yeah. And as a, as a young kid, I'm listening to it, and it, it, you can clearly hear the lyrics, but of course, as most albums did at the time, it would come with lyric sheet, Right. <laughs> and so I would follow and see what the lyrics would say. And I, I remember saying, this is not your typical rock song here. This is... Yeah, no,
2: sex, is, drugs are rock and roll right. here. You know, it's not
1: like right. You know, boy meets girl, boy gets girl, and boy kicks girl out of the house. But uh, no, this is a lot of things. And and I and I remember at the time our youth director at the Baptist church I was attending, he was really into the Kansas, really. Mm-hmm. And it was because of the deep. Um, and this is like I said, this is before Lipgren that actually con- became an in- evangelical Christian. He just loved the. How it challenged and how Livgren was just basically just telling his story.
2: Well, Dust in the Wind is is taking verses out of Isaiah in the Old Testament. So I mean I you sit there and you start reading it and you're going, oh wait a minute, that's where they got the dust in the wind.
1: Now this this next song is one of my favorites on the album. It's called What's on My Mind. And it's just another just more like a carry-on wayward song, which is a Yeah kick, kick butt jam song. And this of course is written by Carrie Livgren. I love his lyrics. He's Got a great voice, doesn't he? He does, and he can hit those higher registers, and it just sounds—he sounds very comfortable in, in that register too. But I love what, what he does here you know, with the harmony. He'll come in with on the chorus. You can say he's—you're you'll here just a second, but with Livgren and Walsh and Robbie Steinhardt. Mm-hmm. Now, the next song after this one we're going to hear is Robbie Steinhardt on the lead. So, if you've ever seen him in concert or any videos of him. Steinhardt has its huge afro long hair, and his beard—it's you know down to his chest—and swinging that, uh, <laughs> yeah. swinging the bow, the, oh, yeah. the violin bow around his head, and and he's out there and he, he loves the strings, and he's really fun to watch if you, if you want to catch it on YouTube because he's wailing on the on the violin. Well, I've seen
2: Kansas in concert. Uh, uh, first time I saw him really was just in the late uh, early '90s. Uh-huh. Uh They were the warm-up band for Alan Parson, Parsons Project, and. That was probably one of the greatest concerts I have ever gone to. Both those together. And they they played more than 45 minutes. And then Alan Parsons came on. It it blew me away. Both of them. They were tight. It was really tremendous. If you get a chance to see them, they tour every once in a while still, if I recall. Uh, Same thing. Alan Parsons is out back on. on, Out there entertaining people.
0: And you have a lot of people on stage with these bands, don't you? Yeah. Because, I mean, they've got... Basically a little orchestra going on uh, You know, string section Um, I saw them at Six Flags uh, Fight Fire with Fire Was the song that was out I saw them back there behind the screen machine You know, when they would have the outdoor concerts And they had these cannons go off To start it, you know the Boom of Fight Fire with Fire And it was you wouldn't want to really be on the cool. screen
3: machine when those cannons were going off. Yeah,
0: <laughs> might make you a little nervous.
2: <laughs> well, Brian, you talked about their previous albums. Uh, you had the first Kansas album, tremendous album. I, I'm going to say the first five albums are almost a must-have. I, I love the hell out of all of them. I've got them all on, on, I guess not CD, but on, on my computer now. Yeah. Uh, the Song for America, mm-hmm. that is an epic song. It's it's 10, 12 minutes long. Mm. It's on that... uh,
3: Two for the show. Yeah, two Mm -hmm. for the
2: show. It's on that live album. It is wonderful. It is a beautiful song. Mask, I had it in the database to go over, but since we're already doing this one, I'll probably just pick a song on it and and take it out and leave leave that spot open. Then you had this one, Point of No Return. You had Monolith. I want to say that was sort of the... You know, they were sort of kind of teetering out by then. And I think it's Audio Visions when they were trying to flip over that from the 70s yeah. art rock, arena rock to, to the 80s type yeah. music. And that, they didn't really work well with that.
1: But See, they started, though, with Livgren. He wanted to get more... You know, you'll know, hear it more and more about you know, the, the spiritual part of it. And the rest of the band members weren't on the same level. So that's, that led to the breakup. And then you know, Livgren went on his way and the rest of the band went on their way. Now, this song here you're going to hear a lot of different instruments but this is called miracles out of nowhere and you're going to hear, of course i will be hearing the keyboard now but you can hear just <sighs> our good friend robbie steinhardt on violin but it just takes a lot of things it's just a got a lot of um complex meter in absolutely there. And this one is just to me this one is this is my favorite on the album this and and the uh, magnum opus on which is on the other side oh, which yeah. is a Long song we'll hear later in the podcast. Now, a little. This clip is from another
3: it. thing. This the
1: you hear that acoustic guitar. They are really good with their acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Robbie Steinhardt, ladies and gentlemen. And here comes Livgren right here.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Another thing they had is very unique covers point and overturn with the ship almost falling off the edge of the world i remember that and and left overture the old guy that was a it was a painting and mask had a painting also and i didn't know it was a painting i thought someone just designed it until i was doing a trip in europe and in austria i went to a museum and happened to walk by and here's this picture of an american indian but made out of different fish and i went there's the cover of mask (laughs) (laughs) they got the cover of kansas
3: in here that's a classy, a classy joint right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly.
1: But, but that's a very good point to, to talk about the cover of the album because it is—it's an old man just writing on a mm-hmm. uh, script, you know, on a, on a looks like papyrus or something, just writing, you know, either song or music, whatever. But it's, and he's kind of sitting there perplexed. It's a—it's uh, it's an interesting cover. But uh, now interestingly kansas
3: is is kind of near and dear to our hearts not just because they've got that prog rock thing going but they're natives of atlanta now and have been for some time
1: and let's hope they go on tour because that is on my bucket list
2: oh well, they're doing a uh, a drive-in concert down on the south side of atlanta I already did one of the things but you
1: know, I, I don't do drive-ins do yeah
2: no. but uh earlier we, before you even announced you're doing kansas there was a meme that popped up that I put on our Facebook page. So join us on Facebook. Give us a rating on iTunes. But it had uh, the groups of Kansas inside uh, inside a room going, we got to kick her out of the band. we got to get rid of her. And then it's Dorothy on the outside, and she's going, I guess we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto.
1: I'm sorry. I was, I was playing I was playing a little but Listen to all these instruments coming in, Rob.
3: You hear a little this has almost an Emerson, Lake and Palmer
1: feel yes. to it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I was too. playing
1: air. I was playing air keyboards on the uh, on the table, and I had to stop me because I didn't want to be a disruptor.
3: Oh, I like it when that bass starts doubling the the melody.
0: That sounds like Jean Ponty from uh, Jazz Flavors on the on yeah. the electric. There's a little bit of electric bit. violin
1: going on there. I love hearing at Steinhardt. Here,
0: I like. I think that the name of their albums is very clever yeah point of no return k-n-o-w yeah and then of course this one left overture overture, yeah it's kind of left it's just interesting
3: yeah this is almost a baroque sound isn't it
0: yeah
1: all
3: those all those just just layered out isn't it they did a concert at center stage Theater in Atlanta that I saw. It must have been from the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. So it was after Carrie Livgren was yes. with, had left, but uh, just they still had it at that point. And uh, I, I would I'd love to see these folks. I don't believe
1: I've ever seen Kansas. Now Livgren, he still plays in a, he has his own. He came back, band. didn't he? yeah. Mm-hmm. And he played he came back for a little while, I think in the 90s, for maybe mm-hmm. our 80s or 90s, very small. I sang this song
2: maybe a thousand years. Now there's a doc that came out on Kansas. Uh, I, I probably saw it about 10 years ago. I don't. I don't know if it's still around. I probably should have watched it or whatever before before we did this. But going from the beginnings, literally, they're from Kansas. Yeah. and They're playing all these places from Nebraska up to the Dakotas, all over the place, just trying their best just to just to make a, a difference. And of course, you had Jethro Told using you know the flute, and you had all these people doing something different. ELO had already had a violin. Yeah. So this was sort of that type of music that was going on. I'm, I guess people call it art rock. I,
1: yeah. It's now, beautiful. Yeah, a lot of the critics, of course, kind of group them in with the Bostons, the Styx, mm-hmm. and those types of bands in the prog rock you know,
0: genre. But I mean, just this, this is just kick butt in terms of the album art this is interesting i'm i'm looking at this uh article and uh they they said on left overture artists were starting to submit artwork to us by this time because it was their would you say fifth, fifth album this uh left overture yeah. would
2: have been their, their fifth album yeah. yes
0: and so people were artists were wanting to do something and said we'd look at different paintings and we thought that the old man was really cool we had the name Left Overture already. The song Magnum Opus was originally going to be called Left Overture, but it was such a great name, we said, screw it. Let's call the <laughs> album that. <laughs> then he goes, he goes. Dave McMacken submitted the uh, idea, and we thought it was really cool. He invented the old man and the toilet paper. Somebody actually said it looked like toilet paper on the cover. Oh. <laughs> He's got the scrolls, you know, the maps yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah. I just love the end of this song. just, just... just Works to a. That actually went by quick. Indeed. Now at the end of this, it's a classic giving. Somebody's going to bring in. They're going to bang a gong, and I just, you know, right coming up here, guys. Get that Big gong ready.
2: That's it. <laughs> get it on. Bang a gong. <laughs> there you
1: go.
3: <laughs> Nothing says we've ended the uh, the album side like
1: <laughs> bang right. a gong. Now you can turn it over to side two.
0: That's great. All right, Brian. Thanks for bringing that. Now we're going into our entertainment track, brought to us by Right Column Financial. Who recognizes this? Unfortunately, I do. All skate. Everyone skate.
2: Oh, I loved it. Charlie's Angels. Once
0: you got past for me, guys, I'll be
1: honest. Once you got, and I, this is a young adolescent, right? Two, three, teen, fifteen. Once you got past the eye candy, it was such a dumb concept. Oh,
2: it was dumb, but but I'm it was fun to Para watch. Faucet, Kate Jack. Oh Jackson, I'm saying once you got I past mean, the iCon, Jackson Smith. Smith. Yeah. Oh man, they were absolutely gorgeous.
1: Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's just a story zone it was just So dumb. this is when it came out, I think. Yeah, right?
2: this came out in, in September nineteen seventy six. I went to go see the movie more the recent movie that came out. Absolutely awful. So, was
0: it fun to watch, though? Uh, it was all right. But it <laughs> the, was, the
3: first Charlie's it, it Angels movie. It was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I thought the first one, the one with Drew Barrymore. I yeah, yeah, that, that was, was, that was fun. One.
2: The most recent one that came out wasn't. But we'll get back to September 1976 Entertainment, but now we're going to move on to Staff Picks, and this one is cranking.
3: All right, let's boogie. Go, Bruce.
2: Bruce, what you got?
3: Well... Guys, this is a B side. It was never released as a single, so you you probably never heard Why it. Why not? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Why was this released as a B side? Because there was too many other good songs. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe so. so. This right. it's just a pedal to the metal. Just put that gas pedal
3: down to the floor. It, it, if you're going to put a put this on a track, you'd have to edit it on the track of songs to get a speeding ticket. Yes. By.
1: This is Heavy Foot Pedal, not Heavy Metal, but Heavy Foot Pedal.
3: This
0: was Back When Smoking was cool too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
3: So this is Boston Smoking, and it's off of their debut album and, you know, like like Brian was saying, every song is just well known. There's
1: every song on it has been played. May I ask you all of us as a group which where does this fall as far as your favorites on the uh, is album? That song? Oh, oh man. this is my
2: favorite song on it. I mean, come on. I would Bruce did the album, but golly, yeah. probably two years ago. Yeah. And I was pissed that he didn't do this song because <laughs> this thing is just like it's it's
0: it's it counted. just cranks, doesn't it? How it's, about
1: it, you, Rob? Which one's your favorite off of the? Uh...
0: Yes, this is your favorite one.
1: No, oh, the whole album, <laughs> right? The whole album. <laughs> i would gonna say, uh, "Long Time" is my favorite, and this is one A for me. Well, and then you get into the keyboard part. Oh. This is got
3: that uh that organ solo going absolutely this is a fairly rare song because it is it, it's co-written so tom schultz did most of it of course um but this was co-written by schultz and uh, brad delt and it comes from the uh there was a series that they call the the mother's milk sessions that they did in 1973 this is when schultz was just kind of putting together the sound and he had brad delt come in and help him out with some of this stuff so this comes from 1973. It, it, it had been written a long,
0: long time before the album. Well, I I really just, I think about 1976. It was the, it was our bicentennial. There was all kinds yeah. of stuff going on in the world. I had a great friend, Danny Kupkowski, lived down the street from me. And I remember listening to Kansas and Boston. His, he had an older brother mm-hmm. that had nice that's stereo. Where you and we would just sit there and listen to these albums. That's, that's what I remember this is great. Listen yeah. to that. Sounds like yeah. a little oh, heart support I'm, back I'm, there. I'm, I'm going to love this. But
1: you know, I wasn't this exposed to this, guys, keyboard uh, coming up. until August of 77, okay. I, after I moved to Baton Rouge from mm-hmm. Lake Charles, and a guy, I'll tell you this story before, yeah, you've got to hear that p- synthesizer, or oh, the organ, but anyway, they used to play this every day after school, mm-hmm. they just played the album on the turntable, and I just remember saying, who
0: is this? <laughs> so you, you had Kansas and Boston, and they just had so much music. Oh, yeah. In. So many instruments, just like, just huge sound, yeah. huge mm-hmm. sound. Well, the
3: funny thing with Boston is it wasn't all that many instruments. It's just what what Tom Schultz was able to do with it, you know? He used pretty classical yeah. uh, rock instruments, you know, just the guitars and the, the organ and things like that. But how he did it. Oh, love I that! Guy, jam. What was about to do
1: here?
2: <laughs>
3: oh, here sort and, of guys,
1: Ray if, Charles. Oh, right. I'm sorry, I just got lost for a minute.
3: So, if you haven't guessed, the song itself is about rock and roll and music, and maybe having the occasional illicit. Um, it's a band material. concert.
2: That they're, just, they're kicking butt, and everybody's <laughs> going nuts. It's yeah.
3: all party.
1: And if you talk about the lineup of Boston, it's almost like a basketball at six six. <laughs> yeah, they're all you lead drunk, guitar. That. Yeah, Tom Schultz, lead singer at six five.
3: <laughs> Brad oh, Delp,
1: <laughs> and how this ends too. Yeah, check this out. Thank you, Bruce. That's, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to drive to
0: the coast now. Now we're moving on to Wayne.
2: We're going to keep it rocking. We're going to go rock and rollers, guys. I did a song about Angel, the band, and it, I did a song called Tower about a year ago. I remember that. And this song rocks as well. And it's called Rock and Rollers. Uh, this is off the first band from Angel entitled Angel. And it's the same thing as what smoking was. It's exactly the opposite end is one. It's the people who are not in the band, but in the audience. We're feeling more excitement. I got my tickets in my hand. We're going to keep on rocking to the band. So play it for me. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. You guys probably nice. don't recognize the song. I mean, I don't they weren't—they really. they, it's were, a deep song, they really weren't a big uh, group going on. They were—they were discovered by Gene Simmons of
0: Kiss, and they sound like uh, a little bit like Kiss. The, the music does. Yeah. yeah,
1: they I hear a little AC/DC in there too.
0: Yeah, a little bit. They—they
2: they wanted to have a different image than Kiss. Kiss was sort of all in black. These guys were all in white.
3: Well, then, the angel uh, motif. Exactly. Equivalent.
2: They had uh, satin clothes. Uh, they, they did try to do the same thing as Kiss and just to have a lot of lights and flashing music and just everything else going on similar to what Kiss had. Um, I don't know if it's call it progressive, maybe hard rock, but really it's, it's glam rock.
3: Yeah. It feels a little deep purplish too, yeah. doesn't it? Yes, it does.
2: So what do you call it when a word looks the same upside down? When they people kind of draft it upside down. Do you guys know about that? Uh, I
3: don't know. It's not a palindrome. Ambigram, That's Ambergram. backwards and forwards. Anagram.
2: No, am. Am. A-M-B-I-G-R-A-M. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. Learn well, a new word today.
2: Well, the angel logo do- is the same way. They've had it made to where if you flipped it on the upside down, it would be the same. Hmm. So these guys formed in Washington D.C. in 1975, and they were recorded on Casablanca Records, which was the same record label as Kiss. Hmm. It's
3: interesting to realize how early on Gene Simmons was was in the business of rock. Oh yeah.
2: Well, I mean, he didn't drink, didn't smoke. Mm -hmm. Just decided to you know. Don't
3: drink, don't smoke. What do
2: you do? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you many, do. Many, many, many women. <laughs> well, the group went their separate ways in 81. They reformed in the late 90s with a new lineup, and they've released new albums. They released one two years ago. Huh. So they have two of the original five members of the band. Uh, one, we kind of went over Greg Graffia? Garf- Is it? Jaffria. Jaffria. Yeah. He he's he kind of went out on his own and, yep. did, and did a few songs. Yep. There's another one, Ricky Phillips. He played for the Babies, the Bad English, Coverdale, Page, Ted Nugent. Wow. And now he's the bassist for Sticks, so he's he's huh. replaced the original bassist. For I'm Styx Styx seeing Sticks. Out there. I'm seeing Sticks. I'm seeing Sticks. I wish got, I could. We all got tickets. <laughs> In June,
1: <laughs> I have seen Sticks, but uh, I'd yeah. love to see him again.
2: This is a fun rock song. It's yeah. Definitely, timestamp. Angel, rock and rollers. Yeah. Ah. See it rock and roller Just talking about going to see a rock man, like we're gonna go see a rock band at Sticks. <laughs> All right, thanks,
0: Wayne. Good call. Now we're talking. That we're doing another rock and roll song. In the glam era, uh oh, Rob? Rob's bringing it to us. This is called Roxy Roller. This is definitely time-stamped glam, 1976. This is Nick Gilder from Hot Child in the City. Yes, but this was before Hot Child. In the oh, City. Okay. Oh. This entered the charts in September
2: 1976.
0: Listen to that. Roxy Roller That's
3: got an interesting sound. And I haven't Jesus. heard this group before.
2: I have I, I have I've heard of Nick Gilder but I didn't no. I've not heard it well, as a group. Interestingly enough,
0: they had four versions of this song come out in 1976. Wow. Hmm. Sweeney Todd did it. I heard it. And now. it was released in Canada. Then Nick Gilder did a solo version that came out then Sweeney Todd did a new version with a new lead singer, Clark Perry, and then did another version with a new lead singer named Brian Adams. Oh wow! Brian
2: Adams was in Sweeney Todd. Yeah, he was 16 years old.
0: Wow. Interesting. Uh, yeah, oh, about that connection, I couldn't find. That I remember one to Sweeney play.
2: Todd being from Canada. I just didn't, didn't hook them, Obviously, didn't know that.
0: Yeah, Sweeney Tom, Todd was from uh, Vancouver and. It was uh, Nick Gilder and guitarist Jim McCulloch. And uh, they left the band. Gilder went on. He had Hot Child in the City. Here Comes the Night. And you really Rock me. We had three good hits there. It's it's kind of an interesting song. It it had just come into the charts. I think it made it as high as like 97. Wow. (laughs) That's why you hadn't heard it. But the the lyrics are something else. Foxy from the Roxy might turn some heads tonight. Flashlight dream, peaches and cream delight. Five bob jobs, she gets bubble gum on her knees down between the seats. Sometimes she'll pass you the keys, Roxy roller. (laughs) (laughs) I almost
2: get confused with Roxy music, which was, you know, they were big at this time too. So, Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I like this too. Roxy Roller, Roxy, her daddy, the commissioner, took far more than his share. So Roxy joined the syndicate knowing it wasn't fair. <laughs> so Roxy's a woman in this? Or, yeah. Or, okay. Yeah.
2: It's a
0: fun song. And it is glam. It is that glam stuff. Yeah.
2: It almost has that kind of heavy metal kind of sound, that the way the guitar is a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of that...
3: I like that Roxy roller. Yeah. Got a little swing feel to it, doesn't it? Shuffle beat.
2: All right, top hits of September 1976. Play that funky music. Play Uh, that funky music, white boy. Oh, Cherry, didn't somebody spotlighted that on on a previous episode of uh, What the Riff? Shake, shake, shake. Shake Your Booty, Casey and the Sunshine <laughs> yeah. Band. I almost pulled that song, but someone needs to do Casey and the Sunshine Band. That, you want to feature the album? Yeah, one of the albums. He, he, you hes going
1: to delve into the there's, disco there's, era. Huh? There's,
2: there's probably good 20 songs yes. he has. He's a fun in concert. I'd really love to see you tonight. England, Dan, and John Port Coley. Yep. They were big back in the Great pop hits. They fit the Beethoven, Walter Murphy.
1: I remember that. And yeah. we've
2: actually done that as a uh, instrumental. Yeah. And then you'll never find another love
1: Lurals. like Lou
0: Roll. There's still twenty seconds left. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's not hot child in the city, but I didn't I didn't know any other Nick Gilder songs.
0: I listening to it and getting ready for the podcast, listening to it a few times. I'm like, I actually like this. That, that was yeah. really catchy <laughs> so, tune. It's on my playlist now. So we now bring
2: it all the way back to Brian. And Brian, everybody knows this. I've got, got a fever.
1: <laughs> We're going to try as as best we can to divert away from the April of 2000 Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> and this is the Blue Oyster Coulter, what we affectionately call BOC. And you know what kind, I liked
0: about them is they kind of have this eerie, mysterious quality to their yeah, music, yeah. and it, and there's a good reason for that too, Rob. Is
1: I mean, the, the songs written by Donald Roser, or we also know him as Buck Dharma. Does that sound Buck familiar? Buck Dharma of yep. the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, this song received a lot of criticism, if you recall, because yeah. many people criticized it. For being about suicide and encouraging uh, suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, it actually deals with the inevitability of death mm-hmm. and the belief that we should not fear it. Hmm. So when uh, Dharma wrote it, according to Song Facts, he was thinking about what would happen if he died at a young age and if he would be re- reunited with loved ones in the afterlife. So another kind of a deep spiritual yeah, type I've thing. I've
3: never thought of this song as a... You know, pro suicide song. I've, I've I've thought of it the way that you're describing it, Brian. Yeah. It's uh, you know, don't fear death.
0: You know, yeah. don't don't live your life that way. Did they play this in uh, Forrest Gump when his girlfriend Jenny was standing up on the ledge? Oh, I don't no, know. That was uh, that was from Leonard Skinner. Okay, well, yeah. I just what, what, what it
2: this
1: heard?
3: was
2: in is in Halloween. Yeah. Okay, it was okay. in the movie the first, the original one with yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. and the, the one because they had that going on. Yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah. you know.
1: But interesting, though, Dharma was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat. Hmm. And it got him thinking about his mortality, and in, which inspired the song. So it wasn't about suicide.
0: it's about an irregular heartbeat. <laughs> maybe he should have gotten together with the guys from Kansas and talked uh, spirituality. There you and- go. There you go. But according to the song facts,
1: Dharma says, I thought I was going to maybe not live that long. I had been diagnosed with a heart condition, and when you, your mind starts running away with you, especially when you're, you're young, so that's why I wrote the story, it's imagine you can survive death in terms of your spirit. Your spirit will prevail. So, I, I, that was really interesting. To, you, know, Having gone through heart surgery twice, you do start thinking about things, you know? Yeah, sure. And, and what what happens if I don't? I mean, is everything taken care of Yeah. if I don't make it? Right. And so... Yeah, I I, got, I connected with that obviously, but that's uh, the
0: way I'd want to go though. Yeah, exactly. Why you go to sleep and, and then you your wake up, way. you're yeah. in heaven. Either that or like my grandfather did; he was peacefully asleep while his passengers were screaming. <laughs> <laughs> the Dharma describes
1: this as a love song where the love transcends the actual physical existence of the partners. And he was, as I said earlier, he was was really taken aback when he learned that many listeners heard it as a song encouraging suicide. In his interview, he says, it's not about suicide, although people kind of get that from the Romeo and, Jul- Romeo and Julio rep- Juliet reference, but Blue Washer Cult's lyrics have always been not obtuse, but deep. Mm-hmm. They're certainly open that. interpretation, and everybody seems to have their own thoughts about what stuff means, and we purposely let people do that draw their own conclusions from the lyric. Which is right. That's what music is supposed to do.
3: Although, I've got to say, oh, no, there goes Tokyo, no, no, Godzilla, <laughs> is, is not well, one of those deeper we've lyrics. We've done
2: probably about 10 or 15, uh, or, oh, yeah, we've probably done five or six Blue uh, <laughs> Earth songs. That's great, man. Music of September 1976, U.S. courts find George Harrison guilty of plagiarizing he's so fine for yeah. a song, My
3: Sweet Lord. That cost him a pretty penny.
2: The group, u two, comes together in September 1976. It takes them about eight years to kind of. I was going to say,
0: wow, that was before, long time before their first. Yeah, they just
2: taking from an advertisement they on a bulletin board. Jerry Lee Lewis attempts to shoot soda bottles and uh, hits his bass player twice in the chest.
0: What? <laughs> was he the guy throwing him up on, in the air? <laughs>
2: I guess so. In a candid interview in Rolling Stone, Elton John disco- discloses his bisexuality for the first time. And Queen performs for in front of 150,000 people in Hyde Park for a free concert. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So that was music of September 1976.
0: And we'll move on. I'm glad we got to cover this one. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to an instrumental and how we, do we pick the instrumental here Wayne
2: I think it was because it was still Kansas yeah <laughs> it,
0: it, it, this is a
1: the, this is on the, the the last track and it's a very long uh, over eight minute song but it's called magnum opus and we were alluded earlier Rob about they they wanted to call magnum opus left overture right but instead they loved the song so they said let's Name the album, yeah. So it really is. If you get a chance to listen to it, but go ahead, Wayne.
0: This is actually eight minutes long. The first two minutes are instrumental. So yeah, these are
2: like four minutes, two All, minutes, four, two there's minutes.
1: There's six long. pieces of this. Yeah. So six. We're wow. Just cool. you
2: listen to the first? One. Well, on September 1976, on TV, a TV drama, Dawn, portrait of a teenage runaway with Eve Plum from <laughs> from the old Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch. Yep. Yeah. Alice, if you remember that TV yep. show came on. Baba Black Yeah, I remember that. Papa pointin from mm-hmm. uh, World War II. And In Search of, if you remember those. With Leonard Nimoy. That's right. And film, Vigilante Force with Chris Gustafson and Jan Michael Vincent. Norman, Is That You with Red Fox and Pearl Bailey. Then albums that came out in. September of 1976. A new new world record by ELO. Nice one. Car Wash by Rolls Royce.
3: I remember that, yep.
2: Hard Rain, Bob Dylan. Leonard Skinner had a live album. So did Rush, All the World's a Stage. ACDC had Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, but that was released only in Australia. I was was going to say, in in 1976. 1976. Yeah, they re-reprised it after the big uh, thing. Well... You've been listening to What The Rift of September 1976.
3: I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Ryan. And I'm Bruce.
2: Well, we'll see you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for listening to What The Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattherift.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What The Riff?